Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show, the program that shines a spotlight on positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization in the city of brotherly love. Coming to you live from the G-Town Radio Studio on Maplewood Mall in Germantown. Here's your host, Alina DeLisser. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. My name is Alina, and today's interview is with someone who has her finger on the pulse of real estate development here in Philadelphia. In fact, it is her job to know what's happening in the real estate sector here. Her name is Natalie Costelny, and she's a reporter with the Philadelphia Business Journal who covers commercial real estate and economic development. Natalie has more than two decades of experience as a journalist here in the region, and she began her career as a correspondent at the Philadelphia Inquirer in the Montgomery County Bureau. She's also reported for the Morning Call newspaper before joining the Philadelphia Business Journal. In addition to her job as a journalist, Natalie is also an adjunct professor at Villanova University, her alma mater, where she teaches a course on real estate trends at the business school there. Welcome to the show, Natalie. Thank, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Alina. So, Natalie, uh, there's so much more about you that I didn't mention. Um, for the audience, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? You grew up in the Philadelphia region? I did not. I actually oh. grew up in Virginia. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a transplant. I grew up in a small town called Lexington, Virginia, and I came up here. It's actually it's in the heart of the Blue Ridge Mountains. In oh, the that's Shenandoah beautiful. Valley. It's beautiful. And I came up here for college. And while at Villanova, ended up meeting um, a guy who turned into my husband, and he went to um, law school in Richmond. And I thought, oh, great, we'll we'll go back to Virginia. <laughs> and he said, nope, I'm going right back to Philadelphia, and that's where I'll uh, build my business. And indeed, he did. But like every Philadelphian that goes away. They come back. Right, yeah. right. That's great. Well, you did have a little bit of a detour to Missouri, right? I did. I did. I went to graduate school um, at the University of Missouri uh, in their journalism program. And that was I was good, a very good experience. And then I did an internship in Washington, D.C. and came up here afterwards to join uh, my boyfriend at the time. Great. So why did you want to become a journalist? What was it about journalism that attracted you? Oh, gosh. You know, I, I feel like I have the, the best job in the world. I think p part of it is I like writing. I'm not a very creative writer, but a very fact-based writer. And um, I am also nosy. <laughs> so, I like asking questions. I like you asking. You could have become a cop. Yeah, true. Right. That's or a detective. True. <laughs> I like asking inappropriate questions, what may seem inappropriate to somebody. And when you're a journalist, you get to ask a lot of those questions. And um, so I and I, I got to I get to combine those those two things: writing and being nosy. So, how did the the real estate get on your radar in terms of covering real estate uh, as a journalist? Yeah, so that's a good question. I had um, is any journalist starting out knows you just go and get a job as a reporter no matter what the beat is. And when I joined the Philadelphia Business Journal, I got the real estate beat. 
I had no idea what a cool beat it was and how sexy it was. And I really didn't know anything about real estate other than buying my own home with my husband. So I, that was all I knew. And um, I was very lucky because the real estate community in the Philadelphia area, the city and the suburbs, are just very gracious people. And they um, were so kind and gracious to make sure I got information, I got the right information that I learned if I had questions I could ask them. I think they saw it as a way of if we can um, have her provide the, you know, the community with good information, it benefits everybody. Right. Where would you say we are right now in the market cycle here in Philadelphia? Yeah. So, gosh, everybody's been predicting a recession um, for the last couple of years. And they said 19 was the year for a recession. Um, <clears throat> now everybody's predicting next year, 2020, which is also an election year. Um, but you know what there, I, I say, well, in light of that, in light of some of the other uncertainties in the world, whether it's interest rates, construction costs, labor, getting, you know, labor, uh, <clears throat> to the job site, etc. cetera, I, I get a sense that a, a lot of developers are trying to get things done now in anticipation of, uh, countering some of the uncertainties that have crept into the uh, the, the scene. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, Philly has kind of a <clears throat> Jekyll and Hyde personality when it comes to real estate with some really super hot neighborhoods with a lot of uh, activity and then others that still haven't enjoyed any sort of economic boom. So in your opinion, what are some of the obstacles to to neighborhoods experiencing that real estate boom, particularly the neighborhoods that on paper, geographically, look like they would have taken off by now. Yeah, so Germantown is a good example mm-hmm. of that, right where we are, because you've got Chestnut Hill down the hill and uh, East Falls, and as, as you and I were chit-chatting before, and you've got a, a transportation. I I don't know. Um, it seems, I know um, our friend Ken uh, has high hopes on Germantown, for Germantown and has had a big investment and commitment to the community. And he, he, and I tend to agree with him, he sees the uh, Wayne Junk, the redevelopment of the Wayne Junction train station as a potential catalyst. Um, and, and we're talking about Ken Weinstein of Philly Office Retail. Right. <laughs> and it, um, you know, infrastructure projects like that do have a tremendous economic development effect. On communities, uh, train stations. <clears throat> um, I know out in the Malvern area, you had a, a new turnpike interchange that spurred a tremendous amount of development. In King of Prussia, they're talking about extending the rail line, the potential for additional economic development activity as a result of that. Um, so you know, but it doesn't always have to be uh, triggered by a um, infrastructure project. Because if you look at Kensington. I was just in Kensington earlier this week. I was walking around with one of the uh, big developers there, Roland Cassis, really interesting um, developer who has bought properties on Front and Frankfurt and everything kind of in between. And it's such a vibrant community. So now why Kensington, which has for decades been a forlorn community, right? That is as a result, it's almost like suburban sprawl. Um, of, of opportunity. So you had old city from old city, Northern, you know, you could, there was no more 
development to happen in Old City, let's say, you know, and prices got expensive. So you move to Northern Liberties where there's more opportunity, more sites, and it's cheaper. Now, you you know, developers bemoan not being able to find good sites in Northern Liberties because all the good ones are taken up. And if you find one, it's very expensive. So then you move to um, Fishtown and Kensington. So it's it's marching upward um, like suburban sprawl. And, um, you know, it, again, you have the different rail lines that intersect there and different transportation nodes. So different things can conspire to uh, trigger development in a neighborhood. So, well, I think one of the, the benefits of being a, a real estate reporter in Philadelphia is that there is so much activity happening and you have big players as well as really active small to medium players. And, um, and and like you said, they're people that want to, they're gracious and they want to be covered as opposed to like in the New York market where there might be so many big players that <clears throat> it, it always ends up being more of a national story mm-hmm. as opposed to what's, how it's affecting neighborhoods. So <clears throat> what are some emerging trends that, that you've seen in Philly commercial real estate in the last couple of years? Yeah. Oh, uh, another good question. So in the office market, um, co-working is a really big trend. And, you know, I I look at co-working and these co-working operators like WeWork and, and some of the others, and they gobble up all this space in office buildings and, and continue to do so. And I think, wow, is this, um, is this a fad or is this a trend, right? And I think at first I thought this is really a fad. But it's turned into, it looks like a trend, a sustainable trend. Now, not all the co-working operators are going to survive. Each one has their own personality and attract a different member. I I sometimes liken it to a um, a sorority or a fraternity where you, you know, pick and choose the different things that appeal to you and want to belong to it. And, And it's not only individuals who are using these co-working spaces. Large companies are. Um, you know, they may have a, a group in their office and, and tell them, go, you know, we've we've rented so many memberships at WeWork, get off site and do this project there where you guys can just focus on it, kind of a different scenery, this and that. It also enables companies who are, are national in scope to have touchdown spots for their workers, right? And you don't have to just pop into a uh, Starbucks maybe before that's, you know serve the purpose. Um, and so I, that is a, a trend that I'm keeping an eye on. Another one is you have these companies that are renting, um, much like a, a co-working um, uh, operator, you have these co-living operators like Sonder and some of the others that are, uh, and they'll go in and they'll rent apartments, um, sometimes whole apartment buildings from developers. And they'll operate at some um like an extended stay or like an Airbnb, you know, you might want just one night or a week or whatever, but it's still um, a rental unit, right? I mean, when you spend the night in a hotel, you're renting it for the night. Right. So those are two big trends I see. I also see more um, on on the, uh, on a, because it affects real estate is the, um, the car sharing and Ubers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That affects parking, Right, the the necessity of having and are not needing as much parking, and so what's the exit strategy for those who own 
parking garages, right? Of course, the exit strategy for those who own parking lots, those are development sites just waiting to happen. So that's that's another um, big trend. Also, medical marijuana, I think, is a trend if you think about it in terms of retail um, that's emerging as well as where to grow it. In buildings, right? You can grow it in buildings, I've, I've heard. No. <laughs> <laughs> or in fields. But if you grow it in, in buildings, you got to think about zoning and then all the um, it demands, the electricity demands for something, the security demands for something like that. And the other thing with the emergence of um, mar- legalized marijuana is if you're living in an apartment building, do you let, you're, do you prohibit? People from smoking marijuana, if it's legal because of the odor, but was it like just smoking cigarettes? So there's lots of considerations. Wow. Yeah. Didn't even think about some of those, uh, some of those considerations. And you kind of touched on several different um, asset classes there, you know, apartments, office, retail, um, hotel, parking. Do you have a favorite asset type? Oh, that's uh, interesting. You know, the one I didn't talk about, which I find is very interesting as well people might think, oh, it's boring, is the industrial. So now when people talk oh. about industrial real estate, it's not like manufacturing, you know, industry. Right. Yeah. It's these big warehouse distribution centers in Lehigh Valley and central Pennsylvania and South Jersey, the movement of goods. But what's happening with these um, distribution centers and this concept, which I, I, I think about it as humans, do we really need same-day delivery just get in your car and go get it, and you can have the same hour. Right, 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 <laughs> you right. know, so are we being lazy? But at any rate, so Amazon and um, other companies, you know, Walmart and whoever you might order from, are moving these distribution centers into more uh, dense urban environments. So you might have a warehouse in Port Richmond that you know serves um, a certain geographic area, and Amazon has a. Um, a, a small distribution hub in King of Prussia. I think of the roads that the uh, are in King of Prussia. You've got the Turnpike, you've got the Northeast Extension, you've got the um, Schuylkill Expressway. You know if, that Port Richmond um, warehouse. Um, you might serve the you know part of the ninety five corridor and into South Jersey. So, and they're called last mile distribution centers. So that's another trend that's underway. So your question was, do I have a favorite asset class? No, I enjoy writing about all real estate. They're all your babies. They really are. They really are. So speaking of Amazon, were you? what were your thoughts on the fact that Philadelphia, I think we were on the contender list, but then we didn't make the final cut. Were no. you... Were you surprised by that? Were you relieved? Were you disappointed? Yeah. Well, yeah, good question. All of, the All of it. <laughs> I I did have mixed emotions because I think it's while it would be terrific to have Amazon so called HQ two here and the jobs that it would create and just the um the the throw off the halo effect of of having that um would be tremendous for a region. Um, now, on the flip side, you say I would say sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for, because with something like that, there are a lot of demands. Whether it's giving Amazon, um, you know, billions of dollars in tax incentives, is that a good use of taxpayer money? So that's a question. What sort of strains would be uh, placed on our infrastructure, roads, mass transit, to accommodate something like that? 
you know, what about schools? What about uh, housing? Even though affordable housing is a an issue in Philadelphia, Philadelphia is still very affordable, right? Not for everybody, obviously, but uh, it's it's still relatively affordable when compared to New York or San Francisco or, or DC or DC, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. or Seattle. So yeah, I had I had mixed emotions about it. I think that that we were in the top twenty um, was good, and I think the analysis was uh, the, the most important thing for me is we're top twenty. We didn't get it. What can, how can we position ourselves for the next company that comes along? What did we learn from that exercise and analysis? And so I um I think if if we miss out on some um, learning. If we don't do that. So, folks, today we're talking with Natalie Costelny, a reporter with the Philadelphia Business Journal, who covers commercial real estate. So, so Natalie, um, you know, there exists this tension in Philadelphia between neighborhoods that are rapidly gentrifying and neighborhoods that are deeply ambivalent or resistant to being gentrified. Um, do you feel like gentrification is inevitable in a market like this, particularly a city that is on the rise that's a good question. I think gentrification is a very, very complicated issue. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a, a you know a, one of those yeah it's a ball ball of yarn and and like a, a nest that you can't sometimes see mm-hmm. what some uh, what are the pros and cons. So let's let's say let's look at gentrification. You have communities, you have longtime residents who live in a community and you've got developers who come in because, and those longtime residents, that means their property values are going up. Well, that's great, right? That's great only if they decide to sell. If they want to stay in that property and pay the increased taxes that come with that, that's not so good. All right. So there's that. Then, um, you, you, so let's say they do sell and move. Now they've been in this community for who knows how long. So they're now they're leaving their neighbors. They're leaving their dry cleaning, uh, their churches, churches their right, churches, right. their community, everything that helps define who they are. So that's uh, that's a challenge. Now now the flip side, gentrification. With gentrification, sometimes neighborhoods become safer. Sometimes um, it attracts more commercial businesses right. and more services, right? And more mm-hmm. services, and isn't that a great benefit? Um, so it's so complicated and, and a lot of the time gentrification also has some racial overtones to it, right? So yeah, it's so complicated. Is it inevitable? I, I think yes and no. It's, it's the way how a, a city, a neighborhood or community em- embraces gentrification. If something's inevitable, I, and I always say this is a philosophy in life. I like to control something and not let it control me. So the neighborhood needs to control it somehow, whether it means saying, all right, we're going to keep this certain area affordable, or if you do come in, you need to contribute this to the community. So there's a way of, of massaging it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And kind of a, a partnership or collaboration with with local groups, with neighborhood associations, because a lot of times... Um, you know, the resentment and the anim- animosity begins because there's 
there's no dialogue. No, com- yeah, so, you're right. No communication. And that needs to happen at the very at the beginning. beginning. Right, yeah. right. Not midway. So I know that, um, you know, there's something brewing uh, in our federal tax code that's going to allow for there to be more economic and real estate development, uh, particularly in the urban core of many U.S. cities. And I'm talking about the Investing in Opportunity Act, which is um, part of the, the new Trump tax plan that was passed in 2017, right? Yep. So can you explain a little bit about what the act is and the potential impact it could have on struggling urban areas. Yeah. It's known as the Opportunity Zone. Exactly. So it's the Federal Opportunity Zones, and people will refer to it as Opportunity Zones, or if you see it written after the second reference, it'll be O-Z, you know, big O, big Z. So what it does, it allows, so it's done by census tract, and it was a process by which each state... Um, designated these zones in their state. Now they did they they designated the zones with the help of communities. So in Philadelphia, you had the planning department, um, the the Philadelphia Industrial Development Corp, um, and other um, entities that made recommendations on which census tracts should be designated as these opportunity zones. They sent their recommendations to the governor. And then the governor um, said, yes, 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 no, yes, yes, yes. So when Philadelphia did it, they um, suggested areas that um, were uh, depressed areas, but also that were abutting areas that were seeing some economic development activity. So in West Philadelphia, you have University City undergoing a lot of development, right? So they said... Let's let's continue. Let's make this a zone, and hopefully that'll stimulate some of these areas that haven't gotten the developer attention. So what it's a def, it allows people who have capital gains, whether they sell their whatever, however, still sell stocks, sell their business, they have money, they don't want to pay taxes on this money. But what they can do with this money is they can invest it in a uh, a project, uh, a developer who's doing a project in one of these zones. And defer the taxes. And, you know, depending on how long they keep that, that money, that capital in that project is how, however much percentage they get. So there's a, I think 10 years is the, the magic number that gives them a full benefit. And so just projects are just starting to, in these zones, are just starting to get underway. I mean, one of the, the glitches is that um, you had to have bought the site within the last year. So somebody who may have held on to a site and bought it 15 years ago, 10 years ago, two years ago, they can't take advantage of it. Now they can probably find a, a financial way of selling it to somebody and then buying it back or whatever to have that. But I'm, I, I'm hopeful that these work it's not that it's not just in urban areas but also rural areas and in our um our region for example Coatesville is a has an opportunity zone and that's an old steel town that's um that could use Mm -hmm. something to stimulate more economic development activity so there's some other projects that um that are really great examples that you've written about recently. Um the one on York Street. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us a little bit about that one? If I'm It was it a Civetta? Yes. Yes. So and it's an it's an apartment project and I forget how many units but um it, it 
this the opportunity zone and the investment for the the money that came in uh, for it really kind of made the projects make sense. Uh, it makes them make financial sense, and you, and you need that. There's another project I wrote about um, that's getting done in um, Kensington by um, a developer D three is their their name. They're doing um, affordable housing um, for social workers. They did a project called Oxford Mills that was for teachers, affordable housing for teachers, and they really created a really cool community. Um, and this is to make the these are complicated projects, and they have several different funding sources. And the Opportunity Zone money was one of those, um, and it helped make the project right they had they needed historical tax credits new market this and that um so it's it's another uh, position in the financial stack that's really fascinating so natalie as a journalist i mean um particularly covering real estate there's so much hype in the real estate sector mm. um how do you as a journalist kind of separate the 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 hype from the substance because as a as a local journalist you do want to be the paper of record for for this region and make sure that you're documenting and and tracking um, news of note because if you don't nobody else is going to cover it right yeah so I mean in terms of at this level right yeah. so how do you how do you as a journalist are, how are you able to kind of weigh um, the pros and cons of a story and figure out yeah this is worth covering my readers really need to know this versus this is just hype this is just you know sizzle that somebody's trying to goose the market or yeah whatever. no and that that happens so i i think i've i've always approached my job whether it's here or in, in other jobs that i've held as a journalist that everything bigger and small and in between there's a story and so whether it's uh a, a, a small developer in germantown that's a story, whether it's a big developer at the Navy Yard or somebody building in Comcast or over in uh, South Jersey. So, you know, I'm going to say 97% of the time, there's always there's a, a legitimate, yeah, there's a story. And then there's 3% that's just total BS. And um, when I come across those, I let it kind of sit for a little bit, I think about it for a little bit. I might call somebody I know and say, you know, I just met, um, and I'll be like, this is off the record right, right, for both right. of us. I just met somebody. They told me this. Is this BS or is this legitimate? And and I have good relationships with people in the community, community that I can do that. Uh, and that's why my sources are so valuable to me. Without my sources to help me with story ideas and to make sure to correct anything wrong that I may have gotten or, um, or just to be my BS meter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so kind of going back to the, the creative and distinctive real estate development, uh, that's happening across the city. Um, can you talk about some more interesting projects that you've written about recently? Uh, for example, Huntington Mills. Yeah. So that was the one oh, with the social. A... Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. I couldn't think of it. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, then, you know, one of the other trends that we're seeing in development in the city, not so much in the suburbs, but is modular development. And it's mostly now for um, multifamily, so apartments. And um, I went, I guess it was last year. It all runs together. It could have been the year before. 
Um, there is a developer who did a project in University City called Luna on Pine. And he took a, a group, me and some other folks, architects, uh, up to the plant in the Lehigh Valley that manufactures these modular um, components that, that you know, the it's... It's hard to describe, but you've got four, four walls. The uh, electricity is built into it. The sinks, the faucets, the lighting, everything, the plumbing, and wow. yeah, and so what in the room. So you've got one modular that has the, a kitchen, a bedroom, and a bathroom. And a living area. So it's basically like a a, a real life dollhouse. Yeah, but you just you just move <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's incredible. It is, and they they stack them and they build them and what they'll transport them on tractor trailers. And in fact, I was on the Schuylkill and I was waiting in traffic and I saw one of the two two tractor trailers of the modular the company. I'm like, oh, there's Luna on Pine on wheels, and um, they take you know the only thing that they, they stack them up and they fasten the bolts and there you go and you know some um hotel companies are looking into it because if you think about it a lot of hotels are very standard right and so you can just build everything the nightstand and the lamp and right right and walk in and wow that's yeah. incredible but th- there are several modular projects going on in the city and no, along North Broad and in West Philadelphia. So that's why things are going up so quickly in yes. some cases. Oh, my God. So, you, yeah, you can put put one of these projects together very quick in just a matter of months, like nine months instead of 18 months. Right, right. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, so what about the Civic in Francisville? That is a former the former St. Joseph's Hospital on oh. uh, West, West Gerard Avenue in the Francisville neighborhood of, of Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, in your article, you said that the developer bought the property in 2017 for 8.1 million, mm-hmm. following the bankruptcy of the North Philadelphia Health System. And then last year, they began transforming the building into residential use yeah. with retail space. Yeah. So that's kind of another interesting um, taking a hospital and turning it into um, residential. Residential. Yeah. So hospitals, believe it or not, the uh, hospitals throughout the region, through bankruptcy, through consolidation, demand, lack of demand, they close and they get mothballed. So, what's the exit strategy for our? What's the reuse for of a hospital? You know, because if you've grown up in that area, you forever see a hospital, see it as a hospital, right? right? But but so this developer has turned it and is turning it into apartments, and I took a tour of it, and you would not know it was a hospital. So they've they've kept the shell of the building, or wow, yeah, yeah, and it's you know it's not there's no they didn't you know, um, you just gut everything out and you build the walls to fit the two bedroom one bedroom the loft apartment. And then they have this, there, as part of this project, there's an old a, a sanctuary that was uh, part of the hospital. And so you have the main hospital building a courtyard in the sanctuary. It's beautiful. They're going to turn that into, uh, I believe, restaurant space and have uh, outdoor seating in the courtyard. And it's just, I, I just think it's going to turn into such a neat project. But there are several hospitals uh, in the city. You got, um, oh, it's just the one in East Falls. Um, Oh, I forget the name. I want to say it's not MDP, but Medical College, MCP, Medical okay. College of, of 
Pennsylvania maybe 15 years ago uh, that got closed. The developer went in, did commercial space, did uh, apartments, really nice. Another project near the um, Philadelphia Roundhouse um, was turned into condos. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that turned out into a really nice project. So it's it's interesting when you do see second and third lives for for projects. So you see the lofts in the lofts district um, that used to be all manufacturing uh, is now are now loft uh, apartments, right, right? right? So there's there's an afterlife, right? So that's really interesting. So I mean, some of these buildings are the the shell is being retained because it has architectural interests, um, and sometimes it's just too expensive to just completely d- demolish and build from scratch, exactly. right? Exactly. So um, I heard this week about maybe it wasn't this week, but mm. the International House. That that's oh, going to yeah, be sold, first, yeah. And that that style of architecture, no, it'll get preserved. Yeah, it, it will. I, mean, I it, should. It's so the what the brutalist mm-hmm. style of architecture, definitely, um, definitely a time in our architectural history because that style of, of building, I, I personally think it's very ugly. It but, is, <laughs> it is, but it's a moment. But in it's time, a moment. Right? It's a moment. Yeah. So, so what about um, the fashion district? Uh, in oh, terms of yeah. the, the old gallery, right? Yeah, so I'm I'm really eager to see that um, get completed. Um, I you know across the street from the former gallery, um, you have a, a mixed use project called East Market. Not a big fan of the name because I think it's confusing, but it it really turned out nicely. It's got a lot of retail and apartments and they've got mom's organic grocery and some office space and it just it it really is helping to enliven the east market part of town and so now fashion district philadelphia the revamped gallery is going to be doing the same thing so you've got those two huge commercial projects um um, that that are really kind of being um, recasting the area, and so I think the city deserves Fashion District Philadelphia. I think it, it, I am I am hopeful that it is a success for the developer and the city, and I think the developer has done a good job um, picking a, a good variety of tenants, so you get different users there. It's not just going to buy apparel, which you know if anybody. You know, malls. Well, that's the whole thing, right? Yeah. I mean, retail is under siege. Is under, under siege, thanks yeah. to online shopping. Right? Yeah. So, how can you build an experience into retail? That's right. right. That's exactly right. So, mall owners or make it a destination. Well, that's right. it, and, mm-hmm. and you're exactly right. So the they're they're the so you they've moved away from apparel, eating exercising and entertainment those are the three things are food fun and fitness um and now co-working is is coming into malls and and it's um it's exciting time even though retail is under siege it's exciting because it's being reinvented mm-hmm. great so uh, i i think we touched on this a little bit before but in terms of other neighborhoods in Philadelphia, What's what, what neighborhoods are emerging? What's going to be like the next mm. fish town or the next Northern Liberties? Wow, my God. If I knew, I would, would invest in okay. it and <laughs> not tell okay, anybody okay, else. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't know. But I do see more ac- activity in Brewery Town. 
more activity in um, Kensington, which I think is a still emerging um, neighborhood. Um, I think North Broad is, there's a lot of focus on North Broad. There's opportunity zones along North Broad. You've got the North Broad Renaissance, a, a, a group, Shalimar Thomas, um, heads up. It's kind of like a special services district for North Broad where they, you know, they keep it clean. They do more patrols and clean and safe, clean and mm-hmm, safe. Mm-hmm. They do trying to plant, plant, uh, have planters and make it more attractive. So, and, and you have uh, a couple of significant projects on North Broad that have been completed in recent years, like the Divine Lorraine. And the Met. The Met. Yeah, I mean, how exciting. cool, right? So, you know, those, we talk about infrastructure projects helping to stimulate neighborhoods. Those sort of yeah, yeah. Uh, projects can help. So what kind of pixie dust did the developer sprinkle across the Met? Because that went from I know. completely, <laughs> complete <laughs> eyesore. I know. And then in less than 24 months, it seemed like... I know. Suddenly, what uh, John Legend was a. It's I mean, booked and it's it's. It was fast. Yeah, very fast. I mean, I I don't know what the pixie dust was other than, pe- uh, once he pe- got his approvals, he just yeah. Went. And people were very motivated to get that project done. You know, not just the developer, but the people who he needed to have support him to get it done. It was incredible. Yeah, it's it's so great to see to see a project like that, and the um, the I that a lot of developers have to try to preserve the character or the iconic mm-hmm. elements of, of some of these properties. It would be so easy to be like, Oh, you know, we can't, you know, we can't do it. So, mm-hmm. um, and one of those, speaking of iconic, one of those properties is the, the, um, how do you put uh, Harbison dairy? Oh yeah. 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 The Harbison the- dairy. Yeah. I, I did recently wrote about that. I'm excited about that project. The developer's going to keep the, um, the iconic dairy milk bottle, milk yeah. bottle and, and really kind of help help it define that project. And, you know, that's one of those projects that it's huge, right? And they, I just think that can have a really tremendous impact on that community as well. And I, I when I interviewed the developer and I met him up there and looking at what he has planned for, I, it, my sense is that he's being very thoughtful about it. So Natalie, tell us about your um, experience teaching at Villanova. That's something that you started doing in the last few years. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things I, I, I like writing about, I love writing about breaking news. I love writing about deals. I, I'm a news junkie. But the, uh, one of the other things I really enjoy writing about is trends. So I pitched a, a, a class idea called Real Estate Trends. And they accepted it and um, been teaching it for five years. And I'll be continuing to do it. They have a real estate school at Villanova, teach MBA students, and it's a lot of fun. So I teach what I write about, whether it's the revamping of malls or co-working or medical marijuana. Um, I mean, if you think about there's, it's always there's always new trends on the horizon, and they're trends that they've been around so long, it's no longer a trend, it's just part of, of the milieu. But there's so many things that, that influence real estate uh, and it really keeps it fun, whether it's policy. And if you think about the tax law, um, policy, right. um, yeah, medical city planning, city yeah. planning right. medical marijuana, or and or legalizing marijuana, you know, that, that sort of stuff. Tax incentives, you know, the, so policy influences real estate. And then you think about the other trends that, that emerge in the market, like co-working, retail development that that's um, being reinvented. 
or, you know, the impact of Amazon on retail, but also on um, warehouse distribution mm-hmm, centers. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, like Uber, like you said, Uber with the parking. Uber with and, the parking. Right. You know, so if it, I always think about what I try to say um, to my students, you know, when you're driving around or you're at work, kick the can down the road and say, where, where where's the next emerging trend? Where can I... Uh, where, how can I identify it and how can I take advantage of it to make money or to guide the next project that I'm going to do? You know, it's also fun for me because it is my alma mater and being back in the, an educational environment. It's a way to get back without having to write a check. It is. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Very important. Very important. Yeah. So, so Natalie, so is there, are there certain, um, characteristics or attributes that people should look for to determine whether or not an area is in the midst of change and ripe for opportunity for yeah. investment. So I would say, look, look what's around an area. If you've, you know, and you have to do your kind of investigation work. You have to drive around, you have to drive around at different hours you know, right? Not just in the Very morning, right. right? Come in the evening. Come on Friday night. See what sort of activity. Come on the weekend and see what's going on. Get a get a feel for it. Don't just um, don't guess at it, right? Do your homework. Do your investigation. Talk to people. You know, I think it's important if you're trying to um, identify an area that that might be ripe for revitalization. When you're looking at the surrounding area, talk to the developers who are in that surrounding area and say, hey, how come you haven't gone into this? Or are you thinking about going into it? Um, look at the, the, the building stock, the, whether it's run down, whether it's been taken care of. Um, look at the crime statistics. Look at the demographics, you know, the incomes, not only in that area, but around it. And do a thorough analysis. And maybe, you know, if you can participate or invest in something that won't break the bank just to kind of test your theory out. Maybe you do that too. We have been talking today with Natalie Costelny of the Philadelphia Business Journal. Uh, Natalie, if folks want to get in touch with you, um, what's the best way for them to find you online? Yeah, so just Google my name in the Philadelphia Business Journal and my um, my work phone and my email address will, will come up. But for those of you um, out there, my, my work phone is 215 238 Five one three nine, and then my email is n k o s t e l n i at bizjournals dot com b i z j o u r l n a l s dot com. Sorry, and then uh, of course I'm on Twitter too. Well, Natalie, it's been great having you on the show today. Thank you so much for coming in. I learned a lot. And so, folks, we're at the end of another show. Uh, Remember, you can now find the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show as a podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just type in the words uh, Jumpstart Germantown on any of those platforms, and the show listing will pop up. And you can also find past interviews of this program on our website, which is jumpstartgermantown.com. I'll be back again next Friday, same time, same same channel with another interview. So until then, have a great weekend. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.